This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward and welcome to more changes in our industry. It's always changing. Insurance is so boring. Nothing ever happens in insurance. I mean, I don't know who says that, but if you're inside the industry, you obviously know that's not true. If you're an outsider to the industry, you look at this industry and you're like, man, that is so boring. And it is anything but boring, especially right now. The idea that insurance drives the country and the world economy. Yeah, that's really boring. Yeah. I don't know that people understand that outside our industry. It is the backbone. The economy can move and take risk and businesses. I mean, it is the backbone, but we have to be able to adjust to critical issues or loss cost increase. I mean, rate need is there. And look, departments of insurance have to adapt to that. Regulators have to adapt to that. Carriers have to adapt. And certainly us as independent agencies have to adapt. We had a big change happen in Texas this week with a major carrier that annual terms were going to no longer be available for personal auto in Texas. The first thing that we need to understand about that is this is not a change to something new. This is a change back to something that is old. Six-month autos for most carriers have always been the norm. And certainly there are a lot of companies on the exclusive side that didn't necessarily change from six-month autos to annual auto policies. And so it became sort of this trend inside the IA channel for the carriers to actually move from six-month auto to annual annual auto so that it could kind of match and bundle with the home. The idea was it would lead to better retention. It's less renewal shopping events happening. So that was the theory behind it. Product managers on the carrier side did not love this move back. It took away some of their flexibility. They worried about this day. They worried about what's happening right now when they needed to make faster adjustments to allow the product to catch up with lost cost or inflation. And now they can't because they're stuck in this annual auto cycle versus a semi-annual auto cycle. So their biggest fear is coming true. And for them, it's a nightmare right now. If you take the combination of going back to six-month auto and higher interest rates, welcome to the good old days. It's the good old days again. We got a whole generation that thinks 3% interest rates are normal. Newsflash, that's not normal. You can go Google the history of interest rate cycles and you can see that somewhere in that 6 to 8% range was more of the normal range historically. They didn't go up in the sense that we've seen this crazy thing happen. The positive lens, if you want to take it that way, is they went back to normal. Now, the problem is, is we've been in this deflated, depressed interest rate cycle for a long, long time. We act like it's this newsflash shock and it's really not, right? We're just going back where we were. Let's talk about buying a house at what interest rates are right now. When you start looking at that and it Oh, gracious. And then in some places, when you add what insurance rates are right now on top of interest rates, on top of buying houses at at premium prices, you know, I can see what's causing people to freak out. I really can. 
but yet people keep doing it. I was talking to some home builders and real estate agents over the last month in different circles, and they're as busy as they've ever been. They're still building. There's still a ton of construction as I travel around on the commercial side of property, tons of different office buildings. I mean, we've been hearing this commercial properties about to collapse because of office space and remote work and the after effects of this new post-COVID economy. And yet we keep building big things. We keep building big buildings. And what's amiss here? Because what is being said and what I am seeing with my eyes are not necessarily lining up. People are still buying homes. Now, are the home prices the same as where they were a couple of years ago or last year? I'm not really sure. I think they've kind of leveled out, but things don't appear to be slowing down. My measurement, you know, maybe the shame barometer of the end all be all is what I call the restaurant crowdedness index. And it's my own personal index as I go to a restaurant or I drive by. And these eating establishments from middle of the road to the higher end, they still have wait lines. They are still very crowded. And so things are not matching like, oh my gosh, we're about to hit a recession. But yet what I see is I do not see spending behaviors changing in a huge way. Maybe people are not, are going to reach a point where they look at buying a new car and they decide against it. Looking at the idea of personal auto policies and this now being, not having that annual option, only having this semi-annual option. And I don't want to sound like a Pollyanna when, when it comes to this, but if we look at this through a different lens, because attitude is a choice, right? A very brilliant man uh, once or twice said that. But this actually gives us an opportunity to interact with our customers more. And that can be good, that can be bad. But if we're looking at this from an infinite game perspective, then every time we have the opportunity to interact with our customers, that every time we get to serve them, we're finding out more information. And maybe they've gotten an RV that we didn't know about. Maybe they've purchased a new boat. Maybe they have a son or daughter that's about to start driving. And so when you're looking at this from the lens of an opportunity to serve your customers, I don't think this is a terrible thing. I understand that completely. And I understand looking at the positive lens, really, really get that. But I'm not an economist. And I'm hearing a lot about these economists talking about something that's coming and things are not going to end well here. I just don't know. I can't feel comfortable jumping out and saying, oh, we're not going to go into a recession or, oh, we're about to have another bull run on the stock market. I just don't know. I think that's probably the bigger thing is we were very confident at one point over the last several years pre-COVID where we felt like, wow, this GDP growth and this market growth and all of this is this is the way it's always going to be. And obviously that turned out to not be the case. However, the market rebounded. 
funded. We threw a lot of money into the system, a lot of taxpayer money. We threw a lot of COVID relief dollars into the pile, and that created the inflationary issue. But I think the other thing that we have is this sort of, I am very pro-American, very pro-U.S. economy, and it's sort of this resilience, American economic resilience. Like, we just have this mindset that we're going to have success. And maybe that's what I see. Maybe that's what's happening out there. I am an optimistic guy. I do tend to see the positive side of things over the negative side of things. And I love being able to look and say, okay, so we move to the annual auto to the six month auto and we may hear from our customers more frequently. It is an opportunity. That is the ultimate optimistic view of the insurance market right now. Looking at that from a political perspective, yesterday I had a conversation with a young lady who is about to be a freshman at Howard University. I asked her the question with all of the political strife that is going on in our country, did she feel that democracy was viable for the future? And her immediate answer to me was no. She didn't even have a thought before she said it. And we talked through it a little more and I said, well, do you think it's the actual idea of democracy or do you think it's the idea that we have a right wing and a left wing that have gotten so far apart that they refuse to have conversations? Is it that or is it the true idea of democracy? And we had a really great conversation and had some conceptual idea adjustments because of it. But do you want to talk about something that's very scary to me is here is a young lady who is about to be going to Washington, D.C. to very specifically study political science. And her first reaction because of what was going on in the world was democracy is bad. We have a lot of people who have slanted perspective or perspective obviously that is has been created from their own experience or parents experiences we have a certain number of people a lot of people who went through the great recession and the housing crisis in the late 2000s that lost their home or had some really crazy experience and What we have lost, because times have been incredibly good for so long in the big picture, that what you have is you have people who haven't gone through true hard time or they haven't really had to sacrifice at the risk of their life or the risk of someone else's life. And you've seen the memes and you see the kind of things about hard times lead to good times, good times lead to soft times or laziness, and then that that leads to hard times. And there's this perpetual cycle of how did we get here? And we've talked about just different regulations of late. And we've talked about decisions that maybe are made a decade or two ago that we're now feeling today. And I don't think we think it's going to happen to us. I think that's the biggest problem with selling life insurance. People don't think it's going to happen to them. They don't think they're going to die anytime soon. So why do they need that? Or distracted driving is for the other distracted people, not me, because I'm not distracted, even though I am distracted. I can drive and text at the same time because I'm 
different. These are the things that I think get us into trouble. And I think that when you hear someone say, I do not think democracy is viable into the future, my first thought is they don't understand what oppressive rule really looks like. They don't understand dictatorship. They don't understand things that really, really go on in those types of environments politically. And they have this idea of things, but they have zero experience of the actual reality of those things. And so I think it's very easy for that to happen, especially when you think about generations and change. And we have lived in a society for the last three or four decades where things have been really, really good, (laughs) really good. And that's the part that I think is going to be some of our struggle. Talking about things not staying the same, I, I know that farmers is having a major challenge right now from their employees at a corporate level. Their previous CEO had announced the fact that their employees were going to permanently be allowed to work from home. And their new CEO made the announcement recently that that was not going to stay the case. And he was going to expect people to be in the office at least three days a week. And their employees are kind of in a very vocal uproar over this. I mean, they have employees that because of the things that a former CEO said have sold homes and moved so they could be closer to their grandchildren and make some major financial decisions based on what a former CEO said. And now that they have a new leader and things are changing, I just kind of wonder what that's going to look like for farmers long term. There's a lot of companies in this situation. That's the most recent highlighted one. I actually met the CEO at a conference back about eight months ago now. Brilliant very smart, good individual, you know, just all the way around and didn't get to where he's at by just falling into it. Not, (laughs) you don't get to be CEO of a Fortune 100 company just by accident. So, So just understanding that perspective, first and foremost, shame on the previous leadership for making sort of this promise that is unsustainable. That's part of the deal is we make these unsustainable promises and people make life altering decisions around that. When we don't have relationships, when we're so far removed from reality of the claims adjuster or the service rep or the underwriter of our companies, then we just make these in the moment decisions that create real havoc for our future if we're not careful. And I think that's a little bit of what happened here. Yes, understand both sides. Understand that the employees are upset because they made these huge decisions like sell my house and move to a whole nother part of the country would have never crossed my mind. But that's what people did as if things were always going to be the same. Now, here's the thing. Shame on the prior leadership to kind of say you never have to come back in the office. Okay, shame on them. They should never have made that statement. But then flip over to the individual that made the decision to change their entire universe and do this thing and say that their perspective was 
that, okay, this is the way it's always going to be now. And so I can do whatever I want and I'm going to do this. Well, that's also a little bit short-sighted. So there's two sides of the perspectives here to think that a company can't make a different decision in the future. You know, just like, okay, we're going to move from semi-annual auto to annual auto 15 years ago because we think it's going to help retention. That's not working now. We're going to go from annual auto back to semi-annual auto. Free market guy here. If you have an annual auto option, you can still do business with the company offering the annual auto option. You don't have to do business with the company that just moved from annual auto to semi-annual auto, but the odds are that everybody's moving that direction. It's their prerogative to be able to change that to make their business stronger and sustainable long-term. If I'm an employee that's unhappy, I'm looking somewhere else. I'm going to do something else. And maybe there's somebody out there that will let you stay at home five days a week. I even think looking at this from a marketing perspective, I think sometimes we get these ideas in our head that this is how I'm going to market my agency. And I think that that has to evolve so quickly. And I was talking to someone a few months ago that they had a very Medicare heavy book of business. And they were like, well, you know, I don't need to do social media. I don't need to do email marketing. I don't need to do all of those, all of those things. That's not where my people are. And I started looking into those things. That's not my specialty. But if you give me some information like that, I'm going to start doing research. And 75% of people over 65 use social media every day. Well, then you can't tell me that your people aren't on social media. Now, you're going to want to focus on Facebook, where if you're trying to get someone that is millennial, you're going to be more of a Instagram focused space as far as picking which social media you're going to go to. But I think sometimes we get into this idea of this is the way it's always been. And And that's not the way it's going to be in the future. A good example is if you worked at MySpace and you thought, oh my goodness, MySpace is always going to survive and be awesome and successful. And this is the way. And you built your entire business around something with MySpace. Well, then obviously that didn't work out for you very well. Are you going to complain that MySpace didn't make it? And that's why you didn't survive as a business is because you put all your eggs into the MySpace mark. It's not MySpace's fault. It's your fault. And personal responsibility is so important. I think owning it, I've made a lot of bad decisions. I've owned, I believe, 100% of those bad decisions. And I tried not to make that bad decision again. It's my fault. We constantly want to blame others. And sometimes I get it. Other people contributed major situation blow up faster than it should have or whatever. But I cannot get my head around the idea that, okay, this is the way it's always going to be. If we're going to blame anybody, blame someone, blame the previous leadership for promising something that they could never keep. They could never keep that promise they made that you never have to come into the office because they weren't going to be the perpetual leader forever. I'm from a small town in Northeast Louisiana, and we're seeing this happen. The third largest telecommunications company in the country is based out of Monroe and built a huge campus and then had a partnership with IBM to build onto an additional campus. And thousands of people were brought in from around the country to work in this 
this space. And then COVID happened, and now you have two of the most beautiful campuses that you can possibly imagine that are in my very small hometown that are sitting there completely empty. It's impossible from my perspective to ever do anything because at this point, it's practically impossible to bring that many tens of thousands of people back to this small town since they've gone home. And you're talking about some of the most intelligent minds in the world that are that are leading IBM that had no idea this kind of thing could happen. So yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things that no one could foresee COVID. From an education perspective, the idea of the adjustable rate mortgage, that's not something that any of our kids have been taught in school. It's not something we were taught in school. And so we have to choose to self-educate. We have to, to choose to keep that open mind and make smart financial decisions. But it goes back to that, okay, the, the world can be completely different tomorrow because in March of 2020, we had no idea that the world was going to shut down in five days. That's why, and I love, like I said, many, many times on this podcast, the infinite game mindset, because the goal of the business game is to stay in the game. When we think about the game from the standpoint of we have to win the game, then we make really crazy statements like you never have to come back in the office. And then people make decisions based on that statement. And you're playing a finite game when you make a decision like that. That's the whole crux of this thing that we're dealing with in so many different ways. You know, we're going to move to annual auto. Nobody said we're never going to move back to semi-annual auto. They just said we're going to move to annual auto because we think that this is going to help retention. We think this is going to stabilize our product. We think this is going to generate a different level of standard preferred client base. And you know what? They didn't know COVID was going to hit and in the worst inflationary cycle since the early 80s was going to happen. It was a good decision when it was made. But today, a, a really good infinite game, staying in the game decision is to move back to semi-annual auto. Like I get it for that particular company or for multiple companies for that matter, because I feel like that's going to happen. This is a trend that's going to happen. One of the things that pops into my head is thinking about having been both a parent of an athlete and a coach of other athletes. And also from the parent side, as a coach, you have a team, you have several players, you have a perspective that is different than as a parent. As a parent, you have one child on the team. When I have my parent hat on, I see everything my child does. And most of the time I see what they do right. And I kind of dismiss the things they do wrong because that's what we do as parents. As a coach, I see everything that every player does right and wrong. And I don't have bias about just looking at the things they do well. I don't have this pretend mindset that there's two different perspectives here. Employees and associates at companies being unwilling to have any other perspective but their very specific world perspective. And I think that's at the center of our problem today. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to take an in-person leadership workshop with Seth Godin. And it really changed my perspective because he was talking about, you know, most of us as business leaders or business owners set five-year goals, 10-year goals, 15-year goals, 20-year goals for our companies. And that idea is so outdated because that goes back to a time where a person would go to work for an 
organization right out of high school or right out of college. They would work for the company for 40 years. They would retire, get a gold watch, and then move into this golden life. And that's not the way our society works anymore. The way our economy changes, the way technology has has made things evolve so quickly. And he said, you know, at the most, your organization needs to have an 18-month plan. He said, you cannot, in this day and age, plan longer than 18 months. And if you're not looking at that every three to six months, it's not going to work. And that blew my mind when he said that. It's so vivid. And we're Xers, right? So we kind of have this tail end from the boomer generation. And then we have the pleasure of working with millennials and Gen Zs now. And we kind of see both sides of it in different ways and different views. I have this history, unfortunately, and I kind of I'm laughing inside at myself because I'm I'm kind of making fun of myself. As an early young manager, I was a bad breaker upper. You might know what I'm talking about. Like if you've ever been in a relationship with somebody or dated somebody and you're and you were just like either you or them, you know, everything was really great, but it's just not the right fit. And I think I need to do something different. I don't want to date anymore. And then the bad breaker upper come out in that person. They turn into this cray cray person. Well, I was kind of like the bad breaker upper as a boss, as a manager. Like I got like personally offended when people left to go somewhere else early on in my career. And I saw it that way. You know, I saw it like, why would you ever leave? Because I have that 40 year mindset, because I was raised by parents who didn't had a bunch of different jobs. My grandparents worked a very, very stable job, a very, very stable environment. We had paper mills in our community in and around East Texas, and people would go to work at 18, graduate high school, go to work, and they would work at the mill for 40 years. They would retire, and they would have their pension, and that was normalized. And then I came along, and I got into a career in a very steady industry, insurance, and then I had these people go to work. And it's like after three years, they go work somewhere else. They want to climb a different ladder or they want to have a different opportunity. And I struggled immensely with that. And it took me learning that it wasn't this personal thing. They really weren't leaving because they didn't like us or they didn't like me or they didn't like something. They really were leaving for an opportunity that was good for them. And it took me a little while to realize uh, until it happened that how I handled this actually might lead to the possibility that at some point in their career, they may actually knock on our door and come back. And if they were really good people, we want that to happen. And that was a lot of maturing that I had to do. But I have that in my past. I have that as part of my failures is not understanding that as a young manager and and trying to develop into a leader. And I took it as how could you ever leave and go somewhere else? Because my mindset was you're supposed to go to work here and retire here because that's what everybody does. That's what everybody did at the meal. Why aren't you going to do that here? And again, thinking things are always going to be the way they are today. And that is just a really, really tricky. And unfortunately, it's a very risky outlook 
to have the, to think that things aren't going to change. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Jesse Owens. Find the good. It's all around you. Find it, showcase it, and you'll start believing it. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.